Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. It wasn't put down so that we could all kind of get rid of our Christmas stomachs. It was set deliberately that we set the year off with prayer at the centre of all that we do. You know, so many people don't know how to pray. I don't mean that disrespectfully. I, I met a, a friend of mine, he's a businessman, he came to see me, um, he's been a Christian a number of years, and he has a, a, a really uh, difficult decision to make uh, regarding something to do with finance. So he came to see me, and, um, and he said, um, would you pray? And of course, you know, I love praying with people, so of course I did. And, and, and he said, will you continue to pray for me um, uh, because I need an answer for this? Now, what he was saying in the conversation was, will you pray for me? I'm going to delegate my prayer because he said, you're a professional. Um, so you can pray because professionals get answers. Let me tell you, God called you to pray for you. And so I had to tell him and teach him how to pray. And Jeanette just mentioned it earlier about battling in prayer, about getting to a place where we refuse to accept what isn't ours. And we battle for what is ours. And so it just reminded me when we're doing that this morning that we often have this delegation kind of part in us that we don't know how to pray for ourselves. We don't know how to take hold of what we should have and so this morning is a set of three kind of from taken from John 17. But I want to start really with the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples in, in Matthew 6, 9 to 13. And um, I wonder if you might just pray this with me um, as we go through. It's something I kind of grew up in school, parrot fashion. And uh, so I was taught trespasses. Now you might have sins or, or whatever in there, but, but let's, let's just do that. Is that on the screen, Dan? So let's just say this together. You can, this is your prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forevermore. Now, of course, this is an amen from us. This is Jesus teaching. Now, the last part was taken from Chronicles, so you won't find that in, in Matthew 6. But the prayer of Jesus teaching his disciples actually is a prayer that a lot of people use as their daily prayer because you can break it down into so many bits. And we'll just put it up on there for you. Um, Father, relationship. Your kingdom come priority. Daily bread, requesting. Forgiving, receiving and releasing. Delivering us from the evil one. Overcoming. Yours is a kingdom. Acknowledging and worshipping. These are things that are in the Lord's Prayer. Now I remember um, David Yonghe Chow. Uh, I kind of got caught in the Chinese dish in my mind there, and I was just kind of going there. I'm really sorry. Uh, it's the fasting. It kind of brings strange things to your head. Um, but he used that as a, a model. And he, he broke it down all the time. And he would spend two or three hours praying over each part of this. 
because it was so important to him. And as we break it down, we can bring every part of our life into this. So it may be something you want to use as a prayer model. Jesus was something he taught us to do. So we're going to look this morning at um, John 17, the, the three various prayers that he, he prayed. Um, and this morning, this was his longest prayer. So we know in, in John he was praying something. And the one we're going to look at today uh, is the prayer he prayed for himself. And so in the old NIV, I've got a new NIV Bible that Megan bought me because my old one's actually now falling to bits, sadly, because I love it. Um, but it's just falling to bits. It says in there, Jesus praying for himself. Now the new one says, Jesus praying to be glorified. But I want to bring this down because it's important that we understand for ourselves just what this means to us. So there's, there's a kind of number of things just before we kick off, but I just want to say that people get caught up in how should we pray. Should we prostrate, laying on the floor? Should we be kneeling? Should we be sitting? Should we be standing? Should we pray out loud? Should we pray quietly? Should we have our arms up? Should we have them down? What is the way we pray? Every way. It really is every way. I love praying when I'm walking, you know, because for me it's where I'm with God. Listen, this is about sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. This is what it's all about. This is about relationship with God. And so as we begin to look at this, you know, I understand worship means to bow down. And of course there's lots of references in the Bible that, that we do bow down. The Western world's adopted a prayer life of respect. We bow our heads and, and we close our eyes. Now, of course, that is that we will acknowledge other people around us. That is because it's sensitive to other people. When we close our eyes, you know, it's not looking at everybody else. Are you praying? It's actually, I'm praying. I'm caught up with God. And so we do that. We bow our heads and close our eyes and we do that. Nothing wrong with that. Because that's what we've learned to do. Jesus shows us that the first part, and um, if we could just throw that up, that, that next one then. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, he looked up. Jesus often referred to that he looked up as he was praying. And uh, that's something he does. He looked up to God because he was identifying with God. And so, whichever way you want to pray this morning, as long as it's not all about you, it's wonderful. And so... I want to really kind of get to the roots of this prayer, Jesus praying for himself, to say to us, it's not wrong to pray for you. I've spoken to so many people saying, I mustn't pray for myself. And I think, why not? Now, I understand the difference between being fully surrendered and submissive to God, listening to the Holy Spirit, and actually listening to what God's saying, to a prayer that says, I need, I want, you've got to give me, because I deserve. That's not the prayer that we're looking for. So this prayer that, that Jesus is praying is a prayer of relationship with his Father. And, uh, and really is, it's, it's a heart issue. Prayer's always about a heart issue. It takes us into the presence of God. And God begins to speak to us if we'll let him. I, I like talking to God. Uh, I don't often like listening to some of the things he says to me. I've told you a number of times. I, he says things I don't want to hear. I really don't like some of the things he says because he reminds me of who I am. 
And I have to be honest and, and courageous enough to accept that when I pray, God's beginning to change me. I'm not changing him. He's never changing. He will never change. That's what the Bible says. He's never changed. He doesn't live in shadows. And he's always going to be honest. And he's always going to be just. He's always going to be faithful. And he's righteous in everything he does. I'm being changed. And so when I'm drawn into this presence of God, and this 21 days, he's really saying, I want to be closer to you. I want to be more like you. I want to spend time with you. How is it that you can have a relationship with anybody and not listen to them? Well, Jeanette has a relationship and I don't let her. I just talk to her all the time and don't listen. But, you know, every relationship has a dialogue. Because that's how we get to know each other. That The scary thing is you spend more and more time with each other, you actually begin to think a little bit like each other. So, Jeanette will often do things that I'm thinking about. Um, and, and I think... It's really spooky, all this, because, you know, we're kind of kind of drawn together a little bit closer. But God wants us to be like that. He wants us to understand his intention for our life. He wants to draw us into a plan that he has for our life. I don't understand people saying that God has a plan and purpose for my life, but never finding out what it is. It doesn't make sense to me. It's nice rhetoric, because it kind of says, oh, oh, God's got a plan, so that's got to be good. No, live in the plan. That's what God said we should do. So this prayer from Jesus is, I think, one of the, 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 the greatest prayers because he's praying this prayer, and I'll read it out to you. Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one. You have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. And, of course, the context of this, you have to go back to John 16 to see that Jesus begins to speak about the Holy Spirit. Then he speaks about grief being turned to joy. Uh, and because the disciples kind of don't under, really understand Jesus, what Jesus is really saying, that at some point he's going to leave them, uh, and because that's not what they want to particularly hear. And so he finishes John 16 on 33, but he says these words, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Take heart. This is not, this is not a prayer that is, is about apology. It's not a prayer that's a weak prayer. It's a powerful prayer that Jesus is declaring that he has come to do God's will. And that's what I want to look at a little bit this morning, the time that we've got, that we learn from the prayer of Jesus exactly how we can overcome and how we can pray for ourselves properly as he intended us to do. This is what Charles Finney said, Nothing tends more to cement the hearts of Christians than praying together. Never, never do they love one another so well as when they witness the outpouring of each other's hearts in prayer. Prayer is an incredible tool that God has given us. It's a relational connection that we often overlook. And when we talk about prayer, which we're going to do this Thursday, everyone kind of thinks, oh, goodness, prayer is going to be hard. Yet, it was, always, it was always meant from the devil to be hard because it was our main communication to God through the word of God and through prayer. 
And so it always becomes difficult. And so often, you know, one of the things when people close their eyes, they actually do close their eyes and fall asleep. Uh, and you're not meant to do that. You're meant to stay open and alert to God, focused on Him. And so in this, in this little kind of moments we've got, I want to just go through his points. It was relational. In that little piece of verse I've read, it says a number, glorify your son. Now, you're his son or daughter. That's, that's what we are. You know, I really struggle with the fact that Jesus is my brother. I, I, I just always struggle with that. But he is. He's my Lord and he's my saviour. He's my brother and he's my friend. He's my mediator, he's my king. He's all those things to me. And, uh, and I sometimes kind of think, how would Jesus talk to me like that? Because he is Jesus. But that's how he does talk to me. Not as a servant anymore, but as a friend. And he reveals things to us from that point of view. And so for me, that was something that just kind of really got hold of me. So glorify your son, that your son might glorify you. And bring glory to your name. This relational joint that God has got with us to talk to us is about a relationship with him that we might bring glory to his name. In all that we do, all that we say, and all that we are, that we become more like Jesus. Jesus came to fulfill his Father's will. And so this relational prayer that we pray as Jesus taught us, our Father in heaven. Well, he's our Father, but he's my Father. He's your Father. It's, it's both corporate and private and personal because he's our Father but he's my dad. And when I pray to him, he's my dad. When we pray, he's our dad. But I'm passionate because he's passionate about me. And so when I pray these prayers, the Lord's Prayer, I can pray the real prayer, Abba, Dad, I worship you because you are worthy to be worshipped. Hallowed means that. I rejoice in your presence. I'm so thankful for all that you do. I love you because I respect you as, as the creator of the earth, but I, create, I respect you that you love me as a son, and I have access to you at any time I can talk to you. And so I remember those things, and this is the prayer of Jesus that he's saying, I'm your boy, and you're my dad, but I've come to serve you, and to fulfill the things that you have got for me to do. And that's the starting of this prayer, which I find is just incredible. This glorification is going to take Jesus to a cross. The most horrific, humiliating death given to the worst. That tool that was used by the Romans to, to bring the worst was the thing that God would bring to do the best. Salvation for a world. And Jesus is there saying... This is what I've come to do. Now, we take glorification often, you know, come glorify me, that we'll have big churches and big ministries and success in everything, and, and it'll all be about us. How good am I? I was just talking to John earlier, you know, that so sadly pride gets into people's lives, and it starts from a, a gentle heart that wants to serve God. Now it's not about God, it's about me. God's serving me, I'm no longer serving him. Because now it's about how good I am. And Jesus is making this point that he came to go to a cross 
to glorify his Father and that you and I might know life. And so for me, this starting of this incredible prayer is, is so sensitive to God, so selfless in what he was going to do. And prayer takes us to that point. And, and Jesus kind of, this is what he says in Philippians 2.8. He he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. This was no longer about I. This was not the prayer about me. It was about God. It was about us. It was about looking at other people, preferring other people, wanting to pray for other people, see people do well. And this, this is what we're learning from this. He humbled himself, which really means he emptied himself of everything to fulfill God's will he prayed that he would only bring glory to the father and of course Luke tells us in 2342 father if you're willing remove this cup from me nevertheless not my will but thine be done an incredibly powerful prayer when we can pray that God I, I want to do loads of things but it's not me it's you I want to do what you want me to do not my will, it's yours. And these are real words. These are words that we can't say and not mean. If you really want to give yourself... I, I listened to a lad uh, who kind of heard a song and said, um, I'm going to follow Jesus. What's that song? Yeah. No turning back. Within a week he'd turn back. He said the words, but his heart had not been moved to actually say, I'm really serious about this, God. And this season of prayer and fasting is about to take us into a connection with God where we become real with him. And this is what, you know, I feel prayer is. It's real. It's relational. It had purpose and and dependence on God. And this is what Jesus said, For you have granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to those you have given him. And of course, this is another powerful statement from Jesus saying, He has authority. Not the devil, not the government, not an institution, not a person, but he has authority. And he says, if we read the scriptures, that he's given it to you and me. And we kind of, that was said this morning. And uh, what we need to understand in our prayer life is Jesus has given us authority over to go and preach the good news, to make disciples of all nations, to go out and spread this good news. He's given us authority to do that. He's given us authority to cast out demons, to tread on serpents, drink deadly poison. He's given us authority to do that, not on our own will, not taken, but given. And this is the thing that he says, Father, you've given it to me. I didn't take it. I'm not proud and say it's mine. You know, I've seen too many healing ministries go down because they then think they're the healers. We are not the healers, he is. We're the vessels. And this is what Jesus is saying. I empty myself of me that I might be full of you. That you can use me. Because I so desire to see this world set free from where it is. Free from all the pain and the the anguish and the depression and the sickness and everything that's around. I need to empty me that I can be more like you. That's a decision of the will. That says, I am here, Lord. I want to glorify your name. In John 5.30 it says, By myself I can do nothing. I judge only what I hear and my judgment is just. 
for I seek not to please myself, but him who has sent me. And that's part of our prayer, is that I want to be filled with you. I empty myself of myself. I want to hear your voice. I want to just fairly. I want to live in justice. I want to be righteous. I want to be honest. I want to be integrative. I want to do those things because that's the character of you that I want to display. Does the world not want to see honest people? I mean, all this stuff you hear. I mean, I try and be, be a little bit careful about who I watch and who I don't watch and try and be discerning. But do you know, who do you trust anymore? Because we have to discern what the truth is and it drives us back to the Bible because the Bible is the only truth that I know. Truly the truth. Because one person says this, another person says this. They do that, they do that. Where are we? If you're not in the Bible and you're not talking to God, then you're open to, to, to so much. And so Jesus is saying, I can't do this on my own and neither can you and I. We need Jesus. We need him at everything we're doing. And it was to fulfill God's will. I can't spell that as well as say it, but um, fulfill God's will is there. I've completed the work you gave me to do. Now, I find this incredible because he hadn't fulfilled it at that moment, but he knew he was going to do it. He prayed a prayer. Lord, you know, I don't want to do my will. I don't want to go my way. I know what I'm being drawn into, but I'm going to do it. Isn't that what we need to do? To set our face and say, I've started a journey and I'm going to, I'm, with, your, with your help and your grace, I'm going to finish it. I'm not going to chicken out when it doesn't go my way. I'm not going to give way when things don't seem to be happening. I'm not going to suddenly just say, oh, God's left me. I'm not going to do it anymore I'm, and feel sorry for us. No, we say, I'm trusting you. And that's what we do in trust, isn't it? We trust him because he's able to do all that he says he's able to do. Paul said that in his prayers. I've, I've trusted you that you are able to fulfill what you said you could do. And so we lean into Christ because he's able to do the things we can't do. And he's able to fulfill the things that we were called to do. One of the other things that people often say is, I want to be in God's will. Let me tell you, this is a lot easier than you're making it out to be. If you love God... If you're, if you're committed to the Bible and to prayer, letting the Holy Spirit speak to you and obedient to him, you're in God's will. I'm in a place that I shouldn't be at work. You're in God's will. Now, if he moves you on, fine. But if you're in those things, you are in God's will. Now, you might have chosen to be in the wrong job to begin with, but you're in God's will because that's what God is doing through you in that place. I often found people come to me and say, oh, I'm in a place, there's no Christians there. Wonderful, because you are. You're meant to make the difference. And so rather like the shoe salesman saying, oh, can't sell any shoes here because no, no, one, no one's got shoes. The other salesman said, what a great opportunity. No one's got shoes. <laughs> We're going to do well here. And you know, the world's waiting for the sons of God to be released. And I mean men and women. He's waiting for you to understand that he's given you authority and he's desiring you to be emptied so that he can fill you 
with the Holy Spirit, carriers of his presence, to go into a world that doesn't know him so that they will know him. This is not hard stuff really, is it? Until you put a human being in the midst of it and it becomes very complicated. Because we are. We're complex, complicated things with histories and, and all sorts of stuff around us. But if we will understand Jesus' prayer, we'll begin to understand that this is a lot simpler than we actually thought it was. And he was surrendered to God. In everything Jesus did, it was always to bring glory to God. That was his purpose. And when you think what he came to do, to destroy the works of the evil one and to seek and save those that were lost, came into a world that was in chaos. And our world's in chaos at the moment. When you think about it, everything around us, you look and there's always another disaster happening, another thing happening, going here. There's always something happening until we look at Jesus and keep our eyes on him. Because he's the only source of continual. He's the only person that brings peace into our lives. He's the only person that brings actually understanding. He's come for this world. And we sang it this morning. For God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son. And what's the challenge for us? To become more like him that we might bring glory to the Father, that we might see our world changed. We can't sit and say about a world that's in disarray and, and, and actually go into to the dogs. He called us to come into this world to make a difference. You and I, and this is his prayer, and this is why it's such a powerful prayer for you and I this morning. But because of that, he spent more time in prayer. And really for us, you know, we, we kind of say, join us for, for, for Zoom calls in the, in the morning. And I can remember going out in the morning, early morning, with the frost and getting the frost off the car to get to a prayer meeting. Now, you don't have to get out of your house. It's so easy. And, and you've got to go to work. I understand all those things. But this is an intention of the will to say, I will do it. It's not, I feel okay this morning or I got up in time. No, it says, I am going to. I believe in this. Jesus prayed all the time. So will I. And this is what Mark 1.35 says very early in the morning. Zoom. Well, it was still dark. Certainly is. Jesus got up and left the house. You don't have to. And went to a solitary place. You don't have to do that either. Where he prayed. But, but taking the joke out of that, he wanted to be with his dad. He wanted to hear what his dad had to say to him. He didn't want to put on the news and listen to everything that's been said to him. He wanted the good news. And doesn't the world need good news? And you're carriers of good news. That's what we take out with us. This is why Jesus is saying, this is my prayer. That becomes our prayer. And he was totally surrendered to God. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was his son, he learned obedience. And from what he suffered and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. Hebrews 5, 7 to 9. Now, you can't save anybody. We understand that. But God uses you to talk to someone who might find salvation. What happens when you don't talk to them? 
What happens when you choose not to be obedient? What happens when you think, I don't want, them, I don't want people to think badly of me? You know, I've told it often, when I was on the building site, um, I was given an opportunity, really, by... I was subbing to a couple of guys that were painting and decorating, and um, he was a Catholic and kept on telling me he knew more about the Bible than I did. Um, and so he said, bring the Bible in. So I did. Took it on the building site, pushed all the girly magazines away, because they were all there, and put the Bible there. And so everyone walked in, and, and uh, you know, the thing that was going through my mind first and foremost was, how is everybody going to think about me, an idiot? And of course I had that, you know, from when you move from one kind of flats to the other, they said to me, why can't you just fly across? Or why can't you walk across? Because he could walk on water, so you don't have to walk in the mud and, and all that. And then I used to get him off the scaffolding. Here comes Holy Joe, we're all going to be okay now. And, but, you know, I've said it before, I spoke to everyone except for one old plasterer. They came to me when they had problems. Will you pray for my marriage? Will you pray for me? Why? I'm not, this isn't, all I did was say, I'm going to bring a Bible in because God, I want God's presence to be here. And all I gave them was an opportunity to say, can God help me? And during that course, I spoke to so many people. And it, all it was was my pride about them thinking badly about me, like I'm not going to be one of the boys, and I'm not going to be, and they're going to think, holy Joe, and there he comes, and all that. Does it matter? Because at the end of the day, if we want to fulfill God's will, and God's will is that everybody comes to saving grace, he's chosen you and me to be part of that. So this prayer is saying, God, I want to be more like you. I want to be more like you. And in my prayer life, I want to be more like you. And so it brings us to a place of asking the questions. Do you really have a relationship with Jesus? Do you? In your prayer time, do you really have a dialogue with him? Do you spend time listening to what he's got to say? Do you want to fulfill his purposes? He has a plan and a purpose for your life. But let's understand this. His plan and purposes for your life is to bring glory to the Father. Not to bring glory to you. He wants us to enjoy life. He's got no problem. God, God doesn't have any problem with money until you use it for you. Are you going to be dependent on him? Not on you. Are you going to trust him? If he says it, do you trust him? Not waver through doubt and disbelief, which we all do, but are you going to trust him? There's things on your heart, are you going to trust him for those things? Are you fully surrendered to him? Every part of your life, not the parts you want him to have and keep the parts you want to have, are you really surrendered to him? Every part of your life. Do you want him to come in as David said, search me, O Lord, and find anything that's offensive to you, and I am going to do something about it. I am going to give that to you because I want to be more like you. I want to deal with those things. I'm not going to push them away. I'm going to deal with them. This is an incredible, courageous, brave prayer. But it demands obedience. It's a prayer that's going to continue to say, I want to be more like you, Jesus. You can't, if you're not prepared to, to say it, then don't. Because if you want to be like him, it comes with a cost to you. 
because he's shaping us to be more like him and the world's waiting to see something that's different they don't need to see another thing that's the same a bit more tight they want to see people that actually stand differently that stand with honesty integrity that shine like stars in a crooked and depraved generation they're looking to see the sons and daughters of God stand up and make a difference in the darkness that's you and me and it starts with this prayer Jesus I want to be more like you your son wants to glorify our father I want to bring glory to your name in all that I do because your intention for me is so much more than I realize but we've got to start learning to pray we've got to start learning to stand on what's important and not be moved by the things around us not see with our eyes but see with our spiritual eyes see what God sees what an incredibly dangerous prayer that is because everywhere you go you'll see everything around us that God sees the pain and the disillusionment and the disappointments and people's lives in messes who smile at you and think it's okay but in their hearts it's nothing okay that's what God sees and he calls you and me to become part of an answer and it all starts with this Jesus prayer I want to glorify you all that I do empty me that I might be full of you and so we've got an opportunity to do that this morning we're going to pray and I hope you join in but be honest because this is an honest prayer if you're not prepared to pray it then please wait but if you are then let's pray like Jesus